0: You're listening to Bloomberg Law with June Grosso from Bloomberg Radio.
1: In a clash between state power and public access at the Supreme Court, public access won. In a close decision, the court ruled that Georgia cannot copyright its state's annotated legal code and put the law behind a paywall. During oral arguments, Justice Neil Gorsuch had posed the question at the heart of the
2: issue. Why would we allow the official law enacted by a legislature, approved, equivalent of being approved by the judge uh, in annotations, as Justice Ginsburg indicated, why wouldn't we allow the official law to be hidden behind a paywall?
1: In the majority opinion, Chief Justice John Roberts wrote that no one can own the law. Joining me is intellectual property litigator Terrence Ross, a partner at Catanuchin Rosenman. So Terry, start by explaining
2: what Georgia wanted to do. So, June, Georgia published the laws of the state of Georgia, except it didn't simply publish the language of the law. It also published an annotation for each section of the law, which essentially was a helpful guide to understanding how that code section had been interpreted by other courts. Georgia copyrighted what was called the official code of Georgia annotated, because it included not just the laws, but the annotations. A pro bono organization came along and bought a set of the entire Georgia code annotated, scanned it page by page, and then started posting it online so that people would have free access to the official code of Georgia annotated. And Georgia didn't like that. So the state of Georgia filed suit for copyright infringement against the pro bono organization. and, And that's how we got into court.
1: The issue being mostly whether the annotations could be copyrighted. There was no doubt that the law couldn't be copyrighted.
2: The Supreme Court had already said on multiple occasions that the actual words of the law cannot be copyrighted. And so the question was, by adding these annotations to the law, could you protect the new work, the combination of the words of the statute plus the annotation, could you protect that under copyright law? So one way of of thinking about it is that they were arguing that as long as the code of Georgia was out there without the annotations and not copyrightable, people could access that. The problem is that most of the time, these annotated codes are all that there is out in the public record for people to consult. And so the question really presented in part to the court was, could you sort of hide the law behind copyright? by simply adding annotations to the statutes.
1: So Chief Justice John Roberts wrote the majority opinion. What was his thinking?
2: It's a fascinating coalition here, June. The Supreme Court voted five to four, ruling that the Georgia annotated code could not be copyrighted because the legislators in Georgia could not qualify as authors under the Copyright Act of 1976, and therefore could not take advantage of copyright registration. But one of the fascinating things is the majority of five justices included Justice Roberts, Justice Gorsuch, Justice Kavanaugh, who traditionally do vote together, but also Justices Kagan and Sotomayor, who usually are not to be found on a Justice Roberts opinion, whereas in the minority dissenting from the bin was Justice Thomas and Justice Alito along with Justice Ginsburg and Justice Breyer. So a fascinating division of the court on this issue that proves that not all cases are political at the Supreme Court.
1: Can you figure out what made those justices line up the way they did? I was trying to think of what it would be. All I came up with was that the dissenting justices appear to be the justices that are on the court the longest. Clarence Thomas, Uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. I believe
2: that you are absolutely correct on that, June. I am not sure that that's the complete explanation for this particular lineup of justices of dissent. I will say this, though. The two justices who traditionally have been most protective of copyright are Justice Ginsburg and Justice Breyer, both of whom had substantial pre-court experience with copyright law. And so it did not surprise me that if anyone was going to be arguing that a copyright should apply here, it would be Justice Ginsburg and Justice Breyer. I can't explain entirely Justice Thomas' point of view, but it seems he tends to be a pragmatist at times. And what concerned him was the fact that there are, in addition to Georgia, 22 other states and the District of Columbia and two territories who publish their laws in an annotated version. And he thought that this decision would be inflicting some sort of harm upon this large number of other states. And as he expressed it, would come as a complete surprise to them and therefore was somehow unfair to all of the other states as, as well as Georgia and that he didn't want to do that to them. It's a little bit different of a dissent than what Justice Breyer and Justice Ginsburg, who really went more to the merits of the decision and took this very expansive view of what an author is and therefore why this would be copyrightable.
1: So what happens now in the 22 states and D.C. and the two territories?
2: They do not have to do anything, but they will be unable to sue for copyright infringement. If a public organization comes along similar to public resource org here and starts publishing the annotated codes of these other states, the District of Columbia, those states and the District of Columbia can do nothing. They will simply have to allow it to happen.
1: Was there a sort of populist tone to the chief's decision in that if you allowed Georgia to copyright this, you would have an economy version of the law, of the code, which everyone would get, and then a first-class version, which only people who paid would get?
2: There's certainly a populist tone to Chief Justice Roberts' majority opinion. As the 11th Circuit, the appellate court that had reviewed this below had said, the laws are made by representatives of the people, and they cannot then put up a fence around those laws so that the people can't have access, because they act for and on behalf of the people, and therefore by right, these public laws should be of the people and free to the people. Now, the Chief Justice did not go as far as the 11th Circuit in that respect, but he did say that the ultimate inquiry here should be whether or not the work is attributable in some way to the constructive authorship of the people, capital P on people. So he at least was willing to admit that that's a consideration here, although it was not the exclusive reason for his decision. His decision really was expressed as being driven by prior cases with respect to judges being unable To copyright their decision, then he said that the legislators should also be unable to copyright their work. But underlying it, I think there was a sense in the majority opinion that judges, legislators all work for the people. They can't then claim authorship of what they do because only the people can do that and should be freed at the people, capital P.
1: Thanks, Terry. That's Terrence Ross, a partner at Kattenmuchen Rosenman. Thanks for listening to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. You can subscribe and listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com slash podcast. I'm June Grosso. This is Bloomberg.
0: The countdown has begun.